0: This is Jim Minion from Two Loose Crews. I'm listening to Barbecue Central.
1: Let's go! we we'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood.
0: Are you sure it's say whatever? We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea.
2: Barbecue Central Show, this is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings, live fire, fun, and for service if you want to jump in on the show this evening, if you want to follow the show during off hours but you don't know how to do it, here's that info.
3: You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform.
2: Anything else you want to find out about the show it can be found at the main website, the Show.com. And here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter coming up in. about 13 minutes from now, the second Tuesday of a month, can only bring a visit from the man who has created the pinnacle of barbecue websites across the globe, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Tonight, we'll be unveiling something that's going to be taking place this coming weekend that only I will be taking part in. And then little later in the weekend maybe something everybody could take part in if you have known about it if you're out of town and you don't know about it it's going to be hard to get to but not 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 worth the effort however i am talking in tremendous code right now so just sit back wait for it a few minutes and we'll talk about it with meathead and we will also talk about tailgating because as much as everybody doesn't want to admit it, some are starting to wrap to a close. However, the bright side or the silver lining means football season's getting ready to start both pro and college. And that means fall time equals tailgating time, eating outside, eating in parking lots, all that fun stuff. So we'll talk to Meathead about that as well. And then 35 past the first hour, the other second Tuesday of the month, regular guest, Robert Moss from robertfmoss.com. Plenty to talk about with Robert. We did. So a month ago, we were doing our new content, pre recorded bits for those two weeks while we were in Houston. And now we're back live. Uh, so we'll talk about what's happening in the food slash barbecue scene in Charleston with Robert. We'll also talk perhaps a little bit of Memphis and May and uh, plenty of other things as well. And that'll bring a close to the first hour. And then we'll move to the second hour. Where will we will find. Where will we be? where we will find an interview with now second-time guest, first-time live, the founder and current CEO of Blackstone Products, Roger Daly, joins us. <laughs> Keeping with only the highest-level executives in the live-fire industry coming to this show to talk about where the present state of business is finding their company, and then we'll work our way into the specific products of both the griddle And they're now second generation pizza oven because pizza ovens are all the rage and have been over the last small handful of years. So we'll talk to Roger about all of that and more. We don't have a 35 past the second hour guest, so we're not under a time constraint with Roger. So if it stretches out a little bit because the information and the conversation is good, we can do that. And then we'll wrap it up with him. And whatever is left over in the open segment, 35 past the second hour, we will talk about. The debacle that is the Memphis and May Festival Uh-oh. currently. If you're not following it, if you don't follow me on social, I'll tell you how to do that here in just a second. Just going off of what I know, what I've read, invoices I've seen, stories that I followed up on, comments that I've been trying to get from both the Memphis River Parks Partnership and Memphis and in May International Festival. Things are in dire straits if you're looking at it right now, and I will only report what I know. I also have some comments from some fairly big players slash participators in Memphis and May, what they're thinking that's going on. So whatever's left over as we close out the show, we'll talk about Memphis and May. We'll get you up to speed if you don't know what's happening, because in four days, and actually it'll be less than four days as we're closing out on August eighth here. So let's call it three days. A pretty big payment has to be made to somebody. And I don't know if whoever is supposed to be making that payment has the funds Uh to make that payment. So we'll talk about it all at the close of the second hour. And then we'll close the show. And that'll be that. So the show laying out meathead coming up here shortly. Robert Moss after him. Roger Daly in the open of the second hour. And then some Memphis and May talk as we close out the show. Don't forget you can follow me socially. On Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat at BBQ Central Show. I say Twitter, of course, I mean X at this moment. So if you're following me, if you had followed me on Twitter, you're still following me on the X and it's still at BBQ Central Show. And I bought a brand new blue checkmark, so that's also coming through. I feel very valid at this point. We also say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook and Twitch slash bbq central show you can also watch on youtube which is youtube.com slash at bbq central show where you will find a new youtube poll question of the week and i'm asking everybody this in keeping with the memphis and may topic that will stretch through two hours would you care if the memphis and may barbecue contest went away forever And currently, 67% of you are saying, yes, you would care. 37, or sorry, 33% of you saying you would not care. I will reserve judgment as I want to think about it a little longer before I give you my answer. We'll also ask Meathead and Robert Moss and Roger Daly as the course of the show ends up. And as much as I tried to promise last week on getting you a final count at the end of the second hour, I didn't do it. (laughs) Once again, I will try and make this promise to you that at the end of the show, I'll let you know where the percentages are, but there's a very good chance that I'm not going to do it. So if you're one of those folks in YouTube and you just like to stay through the whole show right towards the end, as you feel me starting to wrap up, kick up a instant message there telling me to give you the final count on the poll, and that way we can see what's happening. Now, currently, 75% of you are saying yes, you would care if Memphis and May's barbecue event went away forever. So let's start here tonight, and we look back at last week. As shows go, I would say overall, last Tuesday's show might contend for best overall show, not just for 2023. It's probably a lock unless something comes out of the woods here before the the year closes. But in the history of the Barbecue Central show, we had a real-life food celebrity on last week. We had a real-life barbecue celebrity on last week. We had a real-life YouTube and Emmy award-winning cook celebrity on last week. And we also had two dudes looking to make a name for themselves by starting a griddle contest series. On their own, spread out over various shows, these singular interviews make whichever show they would end up on great. However... Having them all together in a two-hour period as we did last week, all I can say is wow. In fact, I think Doug Scheiding, our Texas Embedded Correspondent, said it best when he said, It was a powerhouse show. Agreed. If I was going to look at walking off on one show after it was done, that would have been the one. If I would point to a show as an example of what the Barbecue Central show encompasses and covers, that is the show I'm sending out for people to watch and listen to. So I want to thank everybody who took part in the show last week. A tremendous success. And from every person that I heard from, they thought it was a great show. So we will... uh, By the way, if you're new to the show... Make sure you uh, you listen to the show this week in its entirety. Then go back into the podcast feed and listen to hours one and two from last week. Incredibly good. little feedback from the shows last week. Terry in Ohio. Mr. Rempe, once again, you prove why the Barbecue Central show is on a level all of its own when it comes to the content and quality. Last week was packed full of information and fun. Longtime fan. And thanks for putting in the work to bring us to the show each and every week. Mostly podcast listener regards Terry. Terry, thank you for writing it. Jim in North Dakota. Somebody lives in North Dakota. All right. Greg, I'm a huge Michael Simon fan and was so excited to hear him on the show this past Tuesday. You two seem to have a real connection. He seems to be a great guy, and the interview was great as well. Thanks for the great entertainment and education each week. Longtime listener, podcast only regards Jim. And finally, Mike in Tennessee, Greg, am I the only one that heard Darren Worth talking about Memphis in May and felt like he wholly took a crap all over it and those who have won in the past? Darren said a lot of good things in that segment, stating that the contest was more or less rigged or fixed is not something I expected from someone like that. Smelled like a little sour grapes to me, love the show regards mike mike we might talk a little bit more about that in the second hour so stay tuned for that before we get to meathead i ask you this question my friends are you tired of settling for mediocre or mediocre grilling experiences yes of course it's time to step up the game and bring the ultimate flavor and cooker to the backyard barbecues Pits and Spits Charcoal Grills offers the highest quality live fire cooking experience that you could get in the market today. Using either wood or charcoal, their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when you have the time to fire up the grill and cook for family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can raise and lower the fire to control and fine tune the heat. It's kind of their take on the very popular Santa Maria style grills that you might be seeing around as well. So here's what you do: you check them out online, pitsandspits.com/slash BBQ Central. Once again, that's pitsandspits.com/slash BBQ Central, and the pits and the spits with the double T on both. And then, as you're checking out and buying your charcoal grill from Pits and Spits, be used, uh, use the code CHARCOAL CENTRAL, all one word, CHARCOAL CENTRAL for 150 bucks off any charcoal grill that you buy. Once again, pitsandspits.com/slash BBQ Central, and then as you're checking out promo code charcoal central for 150 bucks off any charcoal grill that they make and their beauties will last your entire lifetime give it to a kid or neighbors or neighbor's kit they'll have it for their entire lifetime we like to call it an heirloom piece is what it is the quality is so good the materials are so good the manufacturing is so good it will last for generations so buy it once and only cry once right buy the best only cry once meathead is coming up next stick around be
3: right back you're listening to the barbecue central show Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempy.
2: This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com. For more information And if you're ready to purchase Go to Amazon.com Go to Lowe's.com Go to Walmart.com Not only great pricing But great shipping as well Great folks over at CookinPellets.com Longtime sponsor of the show My first guest here this evening Has created only The most popular The most heavily trafficked Barbecue and grilling website Ever to be seen on the globe he is a best-selling author, a barbecue hall of famer, and a barbecue central show's guest hall of famer. Who else am I talking about other than Meathead? Meathead, head now. Are you talking? I don't hear you. I don't. That's alright. Everybody take a deep breath. Remain calm. And oh my god. Meathead!
0: Oh. <laughs> I had
2: the mic off i thought we were all gonna get bent out of shape about how crappy my connection software is and all this other stuff oh,
0: must have been the loose nut behind F-O-G. the wheels
2: we say in the trucking company um
0: it's just and i'm also an fog
2: yes that's right
0: friend of greg
2: friend of greg absolutely but bfog if i might say so myself best friend of greg. Shall
0: shall we Tell folks what we're going to be up to this weekend? We might as well. Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. We are going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How about that? Meathead and Greg. Now. and then, Then we're going to Jerry Umansky's restaurant, The Larder.
2: Let me tell you something. For people that didn't just pick up on that, Meathead is getting on a bird and coming all the way over to Bomb City USA and on Saturday we are going to be gallivanting around my fair city where I will be taking in the first time ever in my life as somebody somebody who lives 10 miles away from it for however long it's been open 20 years or whatever it is I will be going for the first time ever to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Meathead
0: and and you introduce your show as from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City. Yes. And you've never been. I can't never. believe it. Never. Well look. I can't I, I can't wait.
2: Y- you must have forgot, Meathead, that twenty years ago when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opened, I said, I'm not gonna go until you come to Cleveland we're gonna go together. And I held firm <laughs> to my promise. And don't you try and remember if I actually said that or not. Because no, you prove right. But-
0: I can't wait.
2: Yeah, it's going to be great. And as you had mentioned, uh, the secondary portion of that is we're going to be going to Larder Delicatessen down there in Hingetown on West 29th, where evidently there's a budding love affair between Jeremy Umansky and Meathead. It's all reciprocating love, uh, which I didn't know Mm -hmm. about. So it's going to be a great eating experience. But I would imagine that you're going to be looking to glean as much information on fermentation and dry aging and all this other stuff that jeremy's really koji. an expert at right
0: yeah koji koji course. well you and i did a session on koji but he's the reigning expert and i want to i want to learn more uh because koji is really interesting stuff
2: i can't wait for saturday to get here and uh, see now in my defense as far as the rock and roll hall of fame is concerned because i know i'm going to get an onslaught no of emails yes as an onslaught of emails uh, when it opened, I remember asking people because people were coming in. You know, I'm a big music guy. I like all types and genres of music, big fan. And I, they would come in. I said, Hey, what did you think about the Rock Hall? And everybody was mediocre at best. Nobody ever told me, Man, it was the best. It was great. I could spend all day in there, whatever. I mean, you hear that enough. And I'm like, Well, I guess if I get there, I'll get there. But it just never seem to it's boil up good, and Greg. I, it better be now because otherwise i'm going to be embarrassed that you're there and you're going to be like well <laughs> we could have went to the seashell I, I went museum to the, um,
0: went to the country western hall of fame in nashville and loved it oh. and now i'm gonna go to the rock and roll hall of fame and i'm gonna love it and you know what if it's a dog i'm gonna just have fun hanging out with you as i
2: look back meathead and count how many times i have hung out with folks on this show I think it's safe to say, and by a wide margin, you are the person I have seen and hung out with the most in person ever as it relates to the show. Multiple times. And you've survived. Yes, every single time and had a dandy time each time. One more fun
0: than the next. We have crossed paths.
2: Yes. So outside of this coming weekend, which we're very excited about. Last uh-huh. last week, Meathead, I don't know if you knew about it or not, but I have this guy, Michael Simon, I mean, on. He's, I know about it now. It's from Cleveland, and just in passing, as we were wrapping up the interview, I said, hey, what's your favorite cookbook? And he did give out the standard, well, you know, mine is pretty good, but then when he came down to brass tacks, he said, Meathead's book is... One of my favorites and really went on to give a blushing review of it and why he liked it and why he tells people about it and i have to imagine uh, if you didn't know about it i'm telling you now but that's got to make you feel pretty good right
0: i listened i listened well first of all i'm a fan of michael simon who is and you and i listened to the broadcast i didn't listen live but i listened the next day and i fell out of my chair when you asked the question and he gave that (laughs) answer i was just thrilled um when the Iron Chef says my book is his favorite barbecue book, I mean it doesn't get better than that.
2: Do you see potentially a an uptick in sales? Do you see an extra twenty, thirty bucks in the in the royalty check? I
0: don't you know, I've been on national TV um live, uh Rachel Ray in the Harry Connick Jr. show and barely um moves the needle. The book has just clipped along nicely. Hmm came out in May 2016 250,000 copies which is tremendous for a cookbook. Most cookbooks 10-20,000. Wow. So I, you know, and I'm don't I don't obsess over it. I obsess over right now I I've been playing with a griddle. I mean, you know, I'm a little behind the curve. Um, Mr. Blackstone, forgive me, but um I've actually taken I got a stainless steel griddle top that I've placed on my heston gas grill mm. heston. and i'm playing with that and the first thing i ran into and people who are just thinking about getting it now i've been griddling on a cast iron um uh, uh pan you know you 18 inches cast iron flat top but it's a lot different than this big old thing and it's a dickens to clean mm. and that has really been an eye opener i mean cooking on that thing you get a lot of scum, residue, burn, and if it's um, cast iron, you don't know always see it, but on a stainless steel flat uh-huh. top, you see it, and it, it, you know, you want it clean, huh? I never thought
2: about uh, stainless steel griddling. All the ones I've ever seen is the the like the rolled steel uh, flat top.
0: Well, stainless steel is what a lot of barbecue. I mean. Um, hamburger joints use um uh what's the famous one out of new york that everybody's raving about um, can't remember its name i'm having trouble with names in my old age here um but they're stainless steel a lot of them are stainless steel and uh they're just hard to clean but the the, the black ones must be hard to clean too you don't see the dirt i'll tell you i am slowly falling out of love with cast iron I have been, yeah yeah, I've got a whole chapter in my book on cast iron and how much I love it, and I'm starting to fall out of love. It's really hard to keep clean. You're falling it's out of love really with cast iron, them.
2: generally speaking, pans and everything? Yeah.
0: Come yeah, on. Yeah, pans, griddles, flat Season tops.
2: that thing up, Meathead. You're being outrageous. Cast iron pans are well, easy right. to maintain.
0: Your, you take your beautifully seasoned cast iron yes. skillet, and I have many. Yes, yes and you cook on it you clean it you season it you put it away and then you take it out and then you take a paper towel and wipe it all right that paper towel comes off brown it comes off brown what is that brown well what is it ah it's dirt it's it's grease it's so rinse it out May, may, well, you, you, you rinse it out, and it doesn't go away. You've got to yeah. wash it out, and you've got to use soap and water. All right. Um, and, 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 and actually, you can use soap and water, yes. I've learned, Yes. Um, without destroying it. it. It's just really hard to get clean. And if you've cooked fish in a cast iron skillet and come back and do a steak in a cast iron skillet, it's going to taste like fish.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would never eat fish. I'm not a fish guy. So. You don't
0: eat fish at all? No. It's gross: Oh my yes I, I, if I was uh, I was raised on uh, the coast of Florida, and if I was still there, you'd be addressing me as fishhead.: That's
2: right fishhead you uh, what's the uh, thing you always say if, you, if something was put in the middle, uh, you, you wouldn't know which way to go if it was I, uh, uh, yeah, that's sea yeah. and the old clam if,
0: yeah. if I was placed equidistant between a lamb rack <laughs> and a rib rack beef rib rack, I'd die of starvation trying to pick out which one to eat. They're both fabulous, and uh, that's one of my favorite sayings.
2: As I said at the beginning of the show, Meathead, uh, whether we like to admit it or not, summer is rapidly coming to a close, which means that tailgate season is quickly coming upon us, and that was a topic we wanted to talk about here this evening. So just from a high level, how do you look at tailgating? Do you see it as solely a fall-slash-football thing, or does it not matter? Tailgating can be had uh, much like we barbecue and grill all year round. It's something you could technically do all year round.
0: I'm, I'm a football fan. Hmm. Um, I, in fact, I was just interviewed this week by ESPN radio. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, I, that that's my sport. I played a, um, high school and a little bit in college and, uh, um, you know I I mean I just I don't know any people who tailgated baseball games or basketball games, you know. Um football is uh, tailgating season and it's on us now. Um and uh, even though the Bears and the Browns are not that exciting, who cares? We have good food and drink if we uh, tailgate well. Um the, the 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 question that always you have to wrestle with is are you going to do all your cooking at the game at the tailgater (laughs) or are you going to cook in advance and bring it to the game and and reheat it and and that that's the first question you got to answer i mean you're not going to do ribs at a football game we know they take three to five hours depending on the cut um you just don't have that time now i do like to go early and I think that makes a lot of sense. You get a good parking space and I like to cook breakfast. You know, I like to get the flat top out and do mm-hmm. some uh, scrambled eggs and some sausages and stuff. And then when the gang rolls in, we'll have lunch. But, um, I look for stuff that I can cook hot and fast. And my go-to is flank steak. Mm. Um, and I often just bring a cheap hibachi. Because I can get a flank steak right down on top of the coals and sear the snot out of it on both sides and have it done in 20 minutes with a great sear and be medium rare, and I don't have a big rig to schlep around and I don't need to worry about anything, um, and uh, that that's one of my go-to's because everybody loves a good steak.
2: Let me warn people, especially if you're in pro football territories, make sure that you are in contact with the municipalities that are running these large parking lots or the management companies that are running these large outdoor parking lots in Cleveland. um, We have something that's called the Muni lot, which is legendary for the amount of people it holds. The tailgating starts at 6 a.m. in the morning, sometimes a little bit earlier. So you can get a breakfast and potentially a lunch in there before you go into the game. But for the last couple of years, they have started to make incredible restrictions on what you're allowed to bring into the tailgate area or the parking lot area. So, uh, you can't just show up with all your grills or your smokers. I mean, they have to be conforming to a lot of new safety rules and regulations. So I would say this season, know the rules don't just show up willy-nilly because you might not be allowed to bring it in because that's the case here and what many would consider to be one of the great tailgating meccas of the world cleveland ohio Really?
0: yes and, and, and you know because we all know weber kettles have a tendency to explode and kill everybody within 30 yards that's right i I mean, knew come, it. On. <laughs> I mean come on gee <laughs> willikers hey i got i got a trivia one for you all right um did you know that the gridiron, the football gridiron, is named after a cooking device? The, the gridiron was a grid made of iron that was used in fireplaces, and it looked just like the football field layout. Hmm. It was a grid laid out with stripes, and when they created the football field, they said, hey, that looks like a gridiron, huh. hence the gridiron. Really? And what, did the, what, did the, what was the game played with? A pigskin. Now, of course, they're not made from pigskin anymore, <laughs> but football yep. has deep roots in barbecue. Hmm.
2: Well, that all makes wonderful sense at this point.
0: Now, if you don't want to cook at the the at at the site, you can cook in advance, and 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 I know folks who do. You got to have a brisket, you got to have ribs. You can cook them the day before. And you can bag them and you can chill them and you can bring them to the site and just retherm them, as they say in the restaurant business or reheat them. And that works perfectly well. But you're not going to do um, a low and slow rib or brisket or pulled pork at the game site, but you can bring it to them. And there's some other tricks that people do. For example, you can mix up the scrambled eggs and put it in a Ziploc bag mm-hmm. or you can mix up your pancakes and put them in a Ziploc bag, and you bring them to the game, fire up your flat top or your griddle, and just pour them on, stir them up, and away you go. Mm. You can put the bell peppers in there, the sauce. You can put everything in there and just have it in the Ziploc bag. So you can find ways. And I've, I've written about some of this on amazingribs.com. But um, th- here's another concept that's fun. If you can't go to the game then tailgate, couchgate. And you can do something that the Aborigines used to do, and that is eat your enemy. Now, if your team's playing Chicago, you make Chicago hot dogs. Huh. Very distinct style, very distinct recipe, unique to Chicago. A Detroit Coney dog, a Seattle dog, a Cincinnati dog. So you can make hot dogs <laughs> that are emblematic of the team that you're playing. Playing the Miami Dolphins, fry up some fish, Um, and that—that's kind of fun, you know. Eat the enemy, deprive them of their energy. New Orleans Saints, how about a little gumbo, right? There you go. There you go.
2: Got it. Well, I mean, why not? You mentioned Chicago dog. Can you give us the quick recipe to that? A true Chicago dog.
0: It's classic. And every hot dog stand in Chicago, and there are more hot dog stands than there are hamburger stands in Chicago, Mm. serves it pretty much exactly the same way. It's usually a um, dirty water dog, which means it's simmered, not boiled in water. And it gets the nickname dirty water because you keep eating hot dogs and it extracts flavor and the water gets kind of murky as the day Mm. goes by. It's hot enough to make it safe. And then, so it's simmered in, in, in water. It's on a bun with poppy seeds, not sesame seeds. And it's dressed with, now let's see if I can get the seven ingredients right. A dill pickle, um, uh, a neon green relish, mustard, chopped onion, tomato, celery um, salt, mm. and um, I lost count. Am I missing something? I think I got them all. Um, and and the, it, it was called, it, it was developed during the, prohibition, uh, the, the, the the Great Recession in the 20s when the workers would take a break, and it was the hot dog that was dragged through the garden. Hmm. It had everything, it had vegetables on it, so it was a hot dog with vegetables.
2: What's with the neon green relish? Is it just color-wise?
0: Yeah. It's, it's a food coloring and, um, it, 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 it's meant to brighten it and it turns it bright green. It's actually a blue dye. Um, and it's just standard. Um, and it's all over town. Oh, I forgot. Um, uh, there's, um, a, um, a hot pepper, um, uh, sport, they're called sport peppers. It's a particular breed of pepper. It's a small one about an inch long and it's pickled and that's on there also are you a fan of chicago dogs i am but i gotta tell you i just love hot dogs i'll eat it naked i mean the hot dogs naked not me um i'll just eat a plain old hot dog on a bun nothing on it if i have some options i love onions on it and some mustard i love the chicago dog but i also love the new york dog the coney island dog Mm -hmm. um which has a simmered Um, uh, onions, and it has sauerkraut. By the way, I'm I'm a fan of the idea that there are these regional hot dogs. They're they're distinctive for the regions around the country. There's the Dodger dog and the Seattle dog and the Cincinnati dog and the Detroit dog, and they're all different. And I wrote an article on the website called The Hot Dog Road Trip, which takes you through all of the different styles and the recipes. And I absolutely love most of them. Uh, And I have the recipes for the the toppings for the uh, the uh, uh the new the coney island dog <laughs> um, in detroit they put a chili on top that's made from the heart of the steer
2: organ meat yeah. chili
0: yeah it, well it's it's heart i mean it, that's a muscle i mean it you know it's just like a, a leg muscle or an arm it's just a muscle but it is <laughs> It, you know, it's minced up and they make uh, chili out of it. And that's very typical in the Detroit and the Michigan area.
2: Wow. All right. Well, if you want to learn more about hot dogs, if you want to learn more about tailgating, go to Meathead's website at AmazingRibs.com and check out all the information that he has over there. If you are in Cleveland this coming weekend... And on Saturday, you're going to be near the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame around 11 o'clock in the morning. You might get a chance to oogle at both Meathead and I at the very same time. What are the chances of that ever happening again that you have <laughs> access to? And if you miss that, you can check us out at Larder Delicatessen at uh, around 3, 3.30 p.m. Saturday, where we're going to be eating and talking with Jeremy Amansky. Meathead, can't wait to see you on Saturday, and we will talk to you again on this show in September. I can't wait. It's Meathead. Right there. As Bart Scott once said, Can't wait. It's going to be a... Hot time. In the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City come Saturday, we're going to be checking out the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're going to be going down to eat some good food, down at Larder. It's going to be great. And then, oh, by the way, Meathead is actually teaching a class... We're doing a cooking demo on Sunday out in Milan, Ohio, which is west and then, like, south of Sandusky. Not very populated. So if you want to see Meathead cook, go out to Milan, Ohio. Or Google, where's Meathead cooking on Sunday? I'm sure that'll turn something up. Of course. Robert Moss is ready to go. And before we talk to him, I'll talk to you about Primo Cookers. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. And we love that you can get rip-roaring hot for the high temperature of grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday uh, lineup of ceramic cookers, the real ability to do true two-zone cooking, Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire in a round ceramic cooker isn't very realistic. Why? Because it's round. Primo Grill has a game-changing oval design and allows you to execute that two-zone setup that you desire. And as someone who is cooking on his Primo more and more each week that passes... I got to tell you, like I said the first time, I got to tell you, it's like I'm falling back in love with the old way, old ways of how I came up in this whole industry. Weber Smoky Mountain, learning how to build a fire through charcoal, doing the minion method, bringing up the temperature, vent adjustments. In the beginning days, that was all very nerve wracking, but now much more wise, a grizzled vet, as they say so I can make those damper adjustments and wait it out, make sure that everything locks in. And, of course, once those ceramics get hot, that thing is a fuel miser. Check one out today at a dealer near you. Find that dealer by going to primogrill.com. That's primogrill.com. And then locate the dealer, go in, check out all the ovals, and buy the one that fits best for your needs. We're back with Robert Moss right after this.
3: Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show.
2: And we thank Meathead for joining us for the last segment amazingribs.com. is website, this portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard 2. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have any smart speakers in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both of those. Fireboard.com is the place to go to buy or call and ask questions at 816-945-2232. And don't forget about that Fireboard Spark, a both instant read meat thermometer and one channel Fireboard. You got to love it. My next guest is the contributing barbecue editor to Southern Living Magazine, accomplished author, restaurant critic and podcast host. Of course, it's Robert Moss, and we are... Happy to have them back. Robert, before we get going here this evening on a number of different topics, let's go to the YouTube poll question of the week where I am asking everybody this question. Would you care if the Memphis and May barbecue contest went away forever? Yes or no?
1: Uh, Yes, I absolutely would care. All right, good. And I have to just clarify that question. You could carry the way, right? Some people could be. If you didn't care, it wouldn't bother you one way or another, but you could care and be happy or you could care and be sad, and I'd be very upset to see it go. Yes, you would be upset if it went away. I have a feeling there are some people who care and would be very happy if it went away.
2: Yes, uh, I believe that rhymes with Memphis Recreation Parks provocative (laughs) or whatever the name is, but uh, we might talk about that here in a second. Uh, 64% of voters, so down 11% since Meathead got going is saying that they would also be disappointed if the barbecue contest of memphis in may was taken away from us um let's go ahead and hit on it a little bit i mean are you familiar with what's happening currently and where the state of this whole thing sits here in the next 72 hours
1: well I'm, I'm definitely familiar with what's happening in terms of all the stuff that's been in the news that's sort of public knowledge i don't have any great inside knowledge talking to people inside memphis and in may or the uh whatever it's called memphis river uh parks partnership yes uh, mrpp which is an interesting or- organization it's sort of yeah they run the parks uh, including tom lee park which is where memphis and may is held so i know all about that seeing what's publicly available including the the uh rather eye-popping damage uh <laughs> fee, fee b- invoice that was delivered to memphis and may just a few days ago and have seen you know a lot of the feedback on social media from, particularly a lot of the, of the Memphis and May participants as well. So yeah, up to date on that part. I'd like to, I uh, would you know, I'd love to be inside some of the rooms where the real discussions are going on because I'm sure there's more to it than has uh, hit the news.
2: Do you know anybody at Memphis and May International Festival? Do you have contact? No, there? I
1: sure do That's one I've just not really been involved in. Uh, other than you know, I've known about it because it's such a you know important festival. Not only one of the four majors, but historically, it's. You know, it was one of the first really large scale barbecue festivals in the country. It really sort of pioneered mm-hmm. that 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 field, and it's a Memphis institution. So I know it very well, but uh, from sort of the reputation, etc. But not not from the uh, you know anybody who's actually organizing it.
2: As I was going through, I'm going to end the show with a big talk up of what I've been able to find, who I've been able to talk to, who is not answering, who is answering, as far as my questions for information and trying to figure out what next steps are because we're under a pretty big time crunch here on August 12th. But it seems in the past, especially from some of the recent uh, both news video clips that I've seen, some of the other articles that I've read, that there have been damages to the tunes of like fifty, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000, but not... Yeah you know a gross number of 1.4 and then after you back out all of the deposits put in by the city and memphis and may and you know whoever else had the uh, the other part of that uh you you come to a net bill of six hundred seventy five thousand dollars and loose change yeah. i mean that's a pretty significant increase to what i guess has been normally set to be 50 60,
1: bucks oh yeah i mean it's it's more than tenfold it's like 10 20 fold what is sort of been historically the case Um, and you know, you can go into the details and and you'll see if you get into the invoice pretty quickly that the the more than a half of that is from damage to asphalt and concrete yeah. uh walkways um they, they're essentially from what i can tell it looks like they have to, have to re- like basically repave and, and replace a lot of the cement and so it's you know major infrastructure changes and then the the rest of it the the, the other sort of big piece of it is what you might call various ground ground keeping things the turf uh, you know, flower beds, uh, you know, basically redoing all, all of that. So it's just a, a gigantic number. And, um, you know, I first saw, it, I was like, what, well, geez, what did the, uh, you know, what did those barbecue guys do to that that place? But then I've dug into it more, went back and actually went back and, and read up. Um, this really goes back about five years. And you could almost really see it coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but as you watch the discussions uh, since the, uh, the Memphis river uh, parks partnership took its new name. It used to be called something more like just the, R- the river park association or something. 2018, they decided to rebrand. They got a new CEO in, um, it's unusual because that organization is a nonprofit 501c3 nonprofit that manages five parks and some other things, uh, you know, and gets paid by the city of Memphis to do that, which is an unusual kind of arrangement. Well, not, not totally unusual. Uh, there's, um, like the Central Park Conservancy in New York uh, operates under a, a s- similar model, but in 2018, when the uh, outgoing CEO, le- longtime CEO, left, they hired a new CEO. She really turned the entire revenue model upside down. They used to get the vast majority of their funding from the city from fees to run the parks. And the bulk was from a, a contract with the city and the rest came from fees that people paid to use the park primarily. There's something about $400,000 in donations, your contributions you know, supported it. That flipped around very quickly. So they quickly became a nonprofit supported by contributions, $27 million in contributions, I think in the fiscal year 2020. And the fees actually went down. So they, they totally flipped it over to becoming much more of a, a charitable organization with this mission to, rebuild the entire uh memphis uh, waterfront i think there's you know they're doing a lot of good work a lot of interesting things there but i think ultimately it comes down to just a a contrast and vision for the park and there's just no way what they've ended up building will ever work for a barbecue competition and when i looked at it and having you know, laid out some parks and, and helped stage uh, barbecue festivals. It's just not a, a layout that's going to work.
2: So. Having talked with Malcolm Reed for any number of years on the show, first Tuesday yeah. every month, and that's his favorite barbecue competition, is Memphis and It's close to him. It's something that he has an affinity mm-hmm. for, a long time going to, always would like to win it. And I said, well, outside of this renovation that had been taking place for the past year and a half, uh, they had to move it off-site uh, in 2022 in Tiger Lane, Tiger Alley, whatever the hell they call it. And then it came back to Tom Lee Park here in 2023. But it was more condensed, less teams. And as Malcolm said, now it's like a real-ass park. Before it was just open and it was on the river and you could just yep. hang up some tents of barriers here or there and call it gated or roped off into the area that you were going to be in and allow all those teams in. And this is the setting that you had for all those contests since like the mid eighties, early eighties or whenever it was. And now it's just not feasible. Almost like this was the park's way of saying, Hey, This is the last one, and we're going to make sure you see why it's the last one with this invoice we're going to get you.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, looking at it, there's just no way that layout would work. Even back in like 2019, 2018, 2019, when when the designs for the park were coming out um, and there was a lot of controversy going back and forth, um, you know, the – the people who are on the side of redoing the park are saying, well, this is a park that we should be able to use uh, the other 11 months of the year, even the other 355 days of the year. And admittedly, if you look at it, it, when there's not, Set up with not the festival, it's not there. Um, it's a big mile long expanse of grass, it's yeah. pretty just a wide open space, and um, you know, not a lot to you know, you could certainly plenty of room to walk around and do stuff, but there's not, not a lot going on. So, they've really rebuilt it, and it's really nice. And like they've done a lot of great things, but they've carved it up in such a way that you're not gonna be able to get you know, they had to slash the teams, I think, from like 250 teams down to 150. Mm. Um, they lost almost half the, the square footage of the park and then they have all these you know fancy flower beds and trees and asphalt and nice jogging paths and everything but of course if you try to load in uh, i think i went back and re-listened to um uh, uh, Kaysom, chris lilly and, and, and mo yeah yeah and uh, they just they, they I think they mentioned how tight it was, and it's just—it's just not—not it's just not set up, which is fine. Um, you have two co- 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 competing visions for what this park would be. My issue is, if you go back and read, which I just did th- this week after all the news came out—like at each step of the way, the uh, the uh, Memphis River Parks partnership. Leadership at every single conference. We we're saying we're committed to Memphis and May. The design. We're working with them. We're engaged. We are. We're. Think it's going to be a better place for the, for for Memphis as May. It's going to. And so it, it was clear if you look at it, it's not going to be a better place for Memphis and May. <laughs> it's one thing to have the debate to say we would like to have a beautiful park that we can use 365 days a year and it's going to be a great asset. We'll have all this wonderful programming versus a venue that can only be used a few times a year. But let's have that debate. Let's not. Say we're going to uh, support this great festival, we're all on board and then stick them with a $1.4 million bill, which is uh, just crazy.
2: Do you think this is the end of Memphis and May period or do you think it's going to move somewhere else? Because Chris Lilly said you move it somewhere else, it, it's automatically be going to become a financial loser because you're not at the end of Beale Street like... Tom Lee Park is so you can get a lot of foot traffic, a lot of gate admission, all this other stuff. Or people at the festival can go into Beale Street and bring their monies into the local economy. You move it somewhere else, and you're not going to get that benefit.
1: I I hope it's not though. I can really see how um, it's it would be a, it's going to be a struggle to do it in you know that that venue along the river is so classic and is right there by Beale Street. It draws lots of people people down there. So I think it. I'm hoping it's not doomed, but it's going to have to be a very different festival. They'll have to probably rethink the whole model and how it's going to be structured and and find a a suitable venue for it. Um, I certainly won't. I don't think it can go on in sort of the current current iteration. I don't know how
2: many other barbecue editors there are currently in the (laughs) country, but there was a convention of barbecue editors in Charleston, South Carolina, not too long ago. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, well, we need the two top table at Rancho Lewis to accommodate us because it was uh, Daniel Vaughn and I, uh, who is the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly. There's some other barbecue writers out there for sure, but I don't know that anybody else has. the. uh, I think we're the only two with the barbecue editor title. So um, last time we had it, it was in Dallas. I was out in that that area doing barbecue visits and called up Daniel. We met up and then uh, he was coming to the Carolinas. Uh, really, it was, I, I had fun talking to him. It, 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 I was, I guess, he was sort of halfway through his trip by the time we uh, we met up. He came down through the Carolinas, and uh, it was really his first trip through sort of mustard sauce and hash and mm-hmm. rice territory. He really mm-hmm. never had that that mode of barbecue, so I, I enjoyed getting his uh, his commentary. Of course, he was also trying all the brisket that he could find in Carolina in in the Carolinas, which is. Sort of a mistake and uh, sort of a a foolish mission if you want to you know if you want to find great brisket. But um, we we met up at at Rancho Lewis, which is John Lewis's of Lewis Barbecues Tex Mex. Actually, it's not Tex Mex. It's his sort of tribute to the cooking of El Paso, uh, which is where John Lewis grew up. It's really a fantastic place to make their own tortillas. It's it's, uh, hatch chili everywhere, and then they do these fantastic. uh, mesquite smoked back ribs, sort of like the way they do barbecue old school style out in El Paso, and there's nothing like it. You know, of course, anywhere in Carolina, but it's even hard to find in Texas. So uh, we had, we had a great meal and, and great discussion of, of barbecue, and uh, you know a lot of good back and forth over you know brisket versus a uh, mustard based barbecue.
2: Is he still looking to see Texas's imprint across all barbecue meccas and all points in between, and kind of laying claim that? Texas is continuing to to be the model to follow.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think Daniel's grown, you know, his horizons. It's good for him to get out of Texas and you know see the, <laughs> the larger world. Uh, you know, get east where people have been doing barbecue for a long time. Um, but uh, I think it's I think that he is growing. Like I I'm growing as well to to appreciate. the the broad respective uh, perspective or the different types. You know, he wrote a whole book with Sam Jones uh, about whole hog barbecue. And really, I think, you know, has, has, has come to really appreciate the the variations uh, outside of Texas. Um, The, uh, but however, you know, he is the barbecue for Texas monthly. And so he's not going to come to Carolina and then come back and just write about, You know, hash and rice and mustard sauce. He's, he is checking out all the Texas style joints and you're sort of chronicling Texas's spread and and, and that type of thing. So he's doing a little bit of both, but I'll say he did a good mix of um, sort of old school Carolina places and new school Texas inspired uh, places when he was visiting here.
2: If I'm not mistaken, we're roughly a month outside of Southern Living's unveiling of their 2023 top 50 barbecue joints. My, on that that time frame
1: yeah that is that is correct i think um the next time i come back for the second tuesday it should be hot off the presses and we can we can reveal it Uh, i did submit last week the the list and the 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 copy so the the public the the public uh, production process is underway of transforming just my list and words into a the, the the full uh the full list so that that's been interesting and um I put a lot of effort into it. Re- revisit a lot of places, and um, it's good to have it put to bed. But of course, like any list, as soon as it's done, I'm already thinking about moving on and trying to try the next place. And it's just you. It's just me. Wow. Um, yeah. Now, now, Daniel, they, I don't know Texas Monthly. They do theirs every three years, and he enlists a whole bunch of interns and people to go, you know, out and scout for him. Yep. Um, so I. I Which is which is fine. I I do it all myself, though I have an army of scouts who are out there that just are friends and people I I follow to try to, to, you know, um, nail down who it is. But yeah, I do. um, I do it all myself. Um, And I I do visit every restaurant on the list. Uh, I visited every restaurant on the list multiple times except for the ones that are new on the list. There's there's only a a handful that I've only visited one time Um, and made a big effort uh, this time around to look at, you know, where we haven't visited in two and three years and, and go back and 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 revisit those, particularly the ones that were toward the top end of the list. I want to make sure I'd really gone to the to the higher end of the list. And I, I will say just to tease a little bit, I was surprised myself, it's changed up a lot in the top uh-huh. ranks. If you look at the top 50 and sort of who's in it, there's not that many brand new restaurants that have never been in there before, but if you look at Who's in the top 10 and what order they're in? It's it's quite different than it was just a year ago. Mm-hmm. And a large part of that has to do with I went back and visited places, and some have really stood up. Some have, I think, stepped up their game. Others, some of my old favorites have, you know, paled in comparison a little bit and you know, compared to some of, the, some of the other ones. What's the territory
2: that you're covering for the list?
1: The list is what Southern Living defines as the South. Uh, and, um, as much as I'd love to kick Texas out of the South, no, nothing against Texas. It's just too damn big uh, to cover, but it is in our definition. So, so it does go all the way to Texas. That's as far West as it goes. Um, it goes up to, uh, it does include Missouri, very controversial with a lot of people, St. Louis and Kansas city. You are considered part of the South. And, uh, and then it sort of goes along the Ohio river. So <laughs> Kentucky, yes, Ohio, no, yeah. uh, which I think we've gone back and forth about a good bit. And, and it, uh, we do tack maryland into the the south so that's sort of <laughs> as far up as it goes on the uh on the on the on the eastern seaboard baltimore is a large city we like uh, to have all the subscribers wow. uh, uh, in there but uh yeah virginia dc uh, maryland all all makes a cut and of course down to florida
2: do you think anybody in georgia accepts anybody from maryland as a southerner i don't <laughs> I think they have a hard um, enough time trying to figure out if they like Virginia enough to include them, which they should, but certainly not
1: Maryland. Yeah, historically Maryland was very much a southern state, uh, but that was nineteenth century. Uh, you, you now, you know, some people would say that as you get up somewhere midway through Virginia, you start to sort of hit the edge <laughs> of the South, and then once you get up around DC and uh, and northern nor- nor- Northern Virginia, you're you're in at least the mid-Atlantic, if not, if not the South. I think there's um I think there's a good argument to maybe be made for that as as well. You but we're in those middle states, it 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 it's sort of it's a it, it's a blurry transition. It's not a bright, bright line anywhere along the way.
2: Did you notice a large percentage of barbecue restaurants that were on the list last year go out of business? Or were there were, were there any?
1: No. Surprisingly um one Fell off the list. That it's no longer in business. If I, if I, if I remember it correct, <laughs> but uh, the other forty nine that were on it last year, are all still going strong, and that that is sort of amazing. I mean, lots of barbecue joints have closed up. I uh, Sorry, maintain a running list of some of what I consider the classic, old school joints, and they're picking the Carolinas. Um, you you, he- you hear a lot of them them closing down, particularly when the proprietors get you know they're ready to retire they don't yeah. have anybody to hand it over to but it's it surprisingly enough most of those sort of legendary top tier you know, they are continuing right along I, I did actually write a whole bunch this year about the you know which generation it's the third four, or fourth generation you're seeing increasingly um the 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 Formerly kids are now in their early 20s, mid-20s, starting to step up and really you know, become more involved in the operations with some of these places. So <laughs> by and large, they are sticking around. And the one that fell off because it's closed um, lost its location and is working on a new one. So oh. it may it may reappear uh, in, in the future. They didn't clo- close uh, 100% permanently.
2: Next month, we will unveil the top 50 barbecue joints, according to Southern Living Magazine. And this is Robert Moss, second Tuesday of the month regular guest. Robert, always appreciate the time. Thanks for coming up. Yep, sure thing. Thanks, Greg. You got it. Robert F. Moss. his website, or make sure that you're checking out Southern Living Magazine and see what he's up to as well. So let's quickly get out of here and wrap up the first hour. Stick around. Be right back.
3: Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Oh,
2: we we're running out of time, and I wanted to ask him how many of the 50 are brand spanking new if you're going back and relooping around the 50 that were on there last year, and is it just a reshuffle of the same 50, or... How many new ones are coming in? But we'll find about uh we'll find all about that. Hi, can I talk? We're gonna find out all about it next month when that Southern Living Top 50 Barbecue Joints is released. And while I have a small issue with Kentucky being part of the South because it is a border state to the Buckeye State here of Ohio I think I have a bigger issue with Maryland being part of the South that's bizarre however as Robert said there's a lot of it's a big city in Baltimore they must have a lot of subscribers in Baltimore for Southern Living Magazine so hey we'll let them into the South why not okay We're going to step away, and we'll be here for the second hour. Stick around.